I just want to look at you for a moment. Corona Church. I feel bad. Someone came up to me a few minutes ago when we were greeting and said, what church do you belong to? Thank you, pastors, for letting me come, even though I'm a missing member. I will proudly continue to claim Corona as my home family. Thank you for your love and your support and your prayers. I know I don't get here very often. Sabbaths are busy in my life, but always an amazing opportunity to see God at work. I often say, I love that aspect of my job now, getting to see what God is doing throughout our conference territory. Amazing things in every church family. Next Sabbath, we're going to be down in Los Alamitos organizing a group into a company, a new church, in an area where we've had very little Adventist church presence in our conference. Last Sabbath, I had the privilege of being in Nashville. We had a few meetings over the weekend with higher education led into our teachers' convention for North American Division. Some of you were there. 6,500 dedicated teachers and administrators from across our division. I came away so inspired by their ministry, their commitment to teaching our children, to making sure that as we cooperate with home and school and church, those children have every advantage of growing up, getting to know and love Jesus. Thank you for our teachers. And for those of you that are here that are teachers, thank you for your ministry. It is an interesting time in our world. Do you ever feel like you're uncertain as to what's going to be happening in the future? I do. I get anxious at times. We live in a world and in a culture that is becoming more and more complex, where predictors of what might happen in the future no longer can often guide the way. We hear that in the financial world all the time. We don't really know how to predict what's going to happen. And it's easy to become anxious as we look at our own portfolios, our own state of finances, our own houses that are underwater and wonder what will happen. It's easy to become anxious. I have a passage that has become to me a mark of what God will do in anxious times. As we enter into uncharted territory, not knowing what lies ahead in many aspects of our life. It's a familiar story. You all know I love the Old Testament and go back there over and over and over again. And these words in the story of Joshua, the familiar story as the Israelites get ready to cross over the Jordan, they are instructed as they prepare to cross into the future. 
into the promised land, to stay behind the ark, but to keep an eye on it so that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Will you pray with me as we enter into God's word? God, today, on this beautiful Sabbath day, we do thank you, as has already been mentioned in prayer, for your word that guides us and instructs us and gives us, gives us a clear pathway you promised to instruct us. So today, as we look at this familiar story, Jesus, may we see you, and may we see a way to release our anxieties to you. Amen. It had become time. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, it was time finally to cross over the Jordan and enter into the promised land, the future that God had for his people. Forty years before they had crossed another sea, the Red Sea, and a miraculous crossing as the Lord saved them from the Egyptians. But then for 40 years, the people had been wandering in the wilderness. One of my favorite contemporary preachers, Craig Barnes, says it's kind of like the airport. I don't know, I think that every time I land in Ontario, my flights lately have been exactly coinciding whenever the baggage handlers are taking a break. Do you ever feel that way? Seems like it's usually a half hour, 45 minutes before I ever see my luggage when I land in Ontario. That just happened to me Thursday night as I flew in from Nashville. But he says it's, it's kind of like when you're watching and waiting for your baggage and it hasn't been unloaded yet. There's always one piece from the previous flight that's still on that baggage conveyor that's just going around and around and around unclaimed. And you watch it and it just keeps reappearing. Same cycle, same journey. And how easy it is for us to live that kind of life that just goes around and around. Same thing day after day. Same experiences, same reactions. Wandering. Circling around and around and around. When everything we see and hear and read about God's invitation to us is to move forward, to step forward. There's movement in the Christian life. Forward. God's people had been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Many of the adults had been little children as they had passed over the Red Sea. Moses died. And Joshua, Joshua had been anointed to lead God's people. Joshua, who was known as a warrior, but who was a man of great integrity and faith. And God 
is speaking to Joshua as we look at the first chapter in the book of Joshua. And God is inviting Joshua as he leads to be strong and courageous as he enters into the future, into this uncharted territory of the promised land that he's going to be leading God's people into. In fact, if you look at the account in Deuteronomy and also in Joshua, seven times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Moving forward is not for the weak of heart. It takes boldness and strength and courage that comes from God. He also promises Joshua, don't be afraid, I will be with you. As you move into this uncertain future, as you move into this uncharted territory, this place that you've never been before, the promised land, the future, the preferred future that I have for you as my people, I will be with you and you don't need to be afraid, but be strong and courageous, God says. So Joshua begins to talk to the leaders and he says, we need to move. We need to move down to the bank of the Jordan. Now, they weren't very far away, but there was a preparation. I believe it needed to happen in the lives and hearts of the Israelites in preparation for this moving forward into what God had intended for them. They had to pack up and they had to move a little distance maybe sort through some things, maybe get rid of some of the things that they had gathered as they wandered in the wilderness. It was a preparation of heart as much as it was a physical preparation. So they moved down to the bank of the Jordan River where they waited for three days. And in that three days, they were consecrating themselves to God, consecrating anew their lives as they prepared and could see across the banks of the swollen river. It was spring, the snow had melted, and while the two spies could swim across, most likely, for an entire group, children and livestock, to go across, it was an impossibility. They consecrated themselves, and the instructions were, that the priests were to take the ark and they were to go down to the river and they were to put their feet in the river, not just dipping their toes in, which I often do when I'm entering into water, especially if it's cold, I go in very gradually. I'm not one to dive in. But the invitation was to boldly go into the river and step into the river and God would do a miraculous thing. And then Joshua says to the people, follow the ark. Follow the ark. Keep your eyes on the ark. And then you're going to know where to go because you've never been this way before. We don't know this route. We're familiar with the circles that we've been wandering in for 40 years. But this is new territory. We don't know this way. Keep your eyes on the ark. The ark representing the presence of the Almighty God who knows the way, who gives the instructions. It says, follow the ark. 
So the priests go down and they step into the river. This is a familiar story to you. And what happens? The sea, the Jordan River parts about 20 miles probably upstream at the town of Adam. The water stops and God's people are able to cross over into the promised land that they had been longing to get into. The priests were instructed to stay right in the middle as the people passed around them. And then the instructions were given. When God's people got to the other side, as the priests continued to stay in the middle of the dry bed of the Jordan River, that 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel, were to pick up a rock from the bed of the Jordan and to carry it across to the other side, where they were to build an altar. And the reason for that was so that when your children ask, what is this pile of rocks? What is this pile of rocks here by the Jordan River? You will retell and you will recount the story to them of this miraculous day and how God led you into your future. Church, you do an amazing job of that, of telling the children the story of God's faithfulness over and over and again, how God has led you in your lives, your family's lives, your your church life here. A constant invitation we have to keep telling the story of what God has done and how miraculous He is. Telling God's story is an invitation to us as well as adults, to each other. How often when we ask each other, how are you? Do people reply, um, oh, I'm okay, not so bad, could be better. And why we want to be real and honest with each other, the invitation is to recount God's amazing things that he's doing in our life and to notice that. Isn't God at work? Isn't God present in our lives just like he was in the Israelites' lives? Isn't his promise of leading and guiding us into the future just as strong as it was then? And what an invitation we have in our everyday conversations to recount the stories of what God has done in our lives. Oh, God is so good. God is amazing. And every day leads us and guides us and is present but the invitation is to keep our eyes on him because we don't know the way, but he does. After, after they build the altar and everyone was across the sea and the Jordan River began rolling again, it's a time to catch up a little bit on some things that hadn't been done during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And they took time to circumcise all the males that hadn't been, took a time to heal and rest, and then, then it was Passover time. And for the first time in a long time, God's people, God's people celebrated the Passover together 
after they had crossed into the promised land. They celebrated the Passover, remembering again, not just the recent crossing, but the whole history of what God had done back from the escape from Egypt as they crossed over the Red Sea. They remembered again God's amazing faithfulness, God's leading and guiding. What was ahead was unknown. But as they looked behind, they celebrated again with confidence that God was present, God was leading, God was guiding. And they ate for the first time the fruits, vegetables, the bounty of the promised land together as they celebrated the Passover. And then the Bible says that after they partook of the Passover, the manna stopped. That which had been a gift from God to sustain them through their wandering stopped because God was giving them new provision in the new land. Even though they had crossed over the Jordan, however, and even though they were now in the promised land and the wandering in the wilderness was behind them, there was, without a doubt, a problem a problem right before them. Isn't that often the case? We step forward in faith, we move forward into what God is leading and guiding us into, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. It doesn't necessarily mean there's not a problem to face. Life can be tough. The journey always continues to be a journey of faith and trust. Because right there within their sight, as they celebrated the Passover and as they looked forward to their future, there was Jericho. Jericho, who historians say there were phrases back then indicating that the walls went all the way up into the heaven. It was a formidable city. They were a bit afraid of the Israelites having just crossed over the Jordan and the Bible says that they didn't go in or they didn't go out of the city because they were so afraid as they looked out and saw the Egyptians camped there on their side now of the Jordan River. Jericho, a problem. It stood between the Israelites and the promise of their future of coming into the promised land of the territory that was to be theirs, Jericho. I've always loved the story of Jericho and the fall of Jericho. But there had been no further instructions given to Joshua or to his people other than to cross over. So they're sitting there waiting, having just participated in the Passover, amazed and in awe that God had led them over miraculously, the swollen river. But now what? How do we tackle Jericho? Can't get around it. It's right there, right in the way. Can't get through it. It's a formidable city full of warriors. What do we do with Jericho? Joshua did not know what to do. He did not know what to do as they entered into this uncharted territory. If you read this story, 
And I encourage you in the unhurried time you could have sometime today or tomorrow to read this story in Patriarchs and Prophets, Crossing the Jordan in the Fall of Jericho, a wonderful supplement to the biblical story. But in Patriarchs and Prophets, it says that it was Joshua's habit to get up early in the morning and late at night and just spend time alone with God, seeking God's direction, keeping his eyes on the presence of Jesus, keeping his eyes on the ark, knowing that that was the only way that he could lead God's people was by following Jesus. He went out. And you remember the story, he comes across a being, a being, light, sword drawn, and Joshua immediately panics and says, who are you? Are you, are you with them or are you with me? What side are you on? He sees what he thinks is a warrior. And the reply is, oh, Joshua, that's the wrong question to ask. I'm neither. I am the commander of the army. I'm God. Joshua, you don't need to worry about who's on what side. I got this under control. I am God. Your future is in my hands and you're going to be okay, Joshua. Just follow my instructions. It's my story, Joshua. We are reminded of that over and over again in Scripture, that we enter into God's story, into the big picture of what God is doing on this earth. It is His earth. We are His creation. He continues to give Joshua the instructions of what to do next, what to do with Jericho, and basically they didn't have to do much of anything. Let God be God. He says, get the people together, the warriors together, the ark, trumpets, and just walk. Just walk around the city. Walk steps of faith. And I'll take care of it. That's what they did. Six days walked silently, prayerfully, around the city of Jericho, step by step blowing the horns, eyes on God. Didn't understand, didn't know what all this walking was about, but they were trusting, obedient, walking. And you remember the story, seventh day, seven rounds, walls came down, and God's people, God's people were able to move into the future of dwelling in the promised land, the territory that God had prepared for them, that God had led them into. God was present. God did it. I don't know about you, but I get anxious sometimes when I can't see what's ahead. I get anxious sometimes when the world around us sometimes seems to be in chaos. I get anxious sometimes when my own church is having difficult conversations. But this story, this story reminds me 
that the invitation is to keep our eyes on Jesus, follow Jesus, because we haven't been down this path before, and none of us can proclaim to know the way, but we follow Jesus as a community of faith, as families, as individuals. We keep our eyes on Jesus, who knows the way and promises to take us into, day by day, what He has planned for us. And we can stand in awe of who God is, of His presence in our lives. And He invites us to lay our anxieties aside, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, He will lead us. He will guide us. Oh, we can be strong and courageous. We can be bold for God. Because the ark is moving. God is at work. We're just asked to follow. Faithfully follow. Trust and follow. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Will you pray with me? With our eyes on you, Jesus, may we keep trusting that you know the way through complicated times, that you will continue to lead and guide as we trust in you, as we look to your word for guidance, as we prayerfully submit, God, to your trustworthy leading. Oh, we look forward to each day and to the future of walking with you into uncharted territory and the phenomenal things, God, that you will continue to do. Continue to be with this congregation, this church, the dear Corona Church, as they faithfully follow you. And oh, we look forward to what you will do through them, in them, and the ministry that will continue to happen here as they step by step move forward. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.